Happy Father's Day, everyone. You know what catches my eye? Short people with umbrellas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, seriously, though, I went to the doctor's the other day. He said, Rick, um, you've got to lose a bit of weight. I said, well, how do I do that? He says, well, uh, don't eat anything fatty. I said, what do you mean, chips, burgers? He said, no, 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 no. Don't eat anything fatty. Amateurs. <laughs> Aren't you meant to get the lowest score? Isn't it like golf? <laughs> My Scott, he understands it. Well, I do love Father's Day, and yes, um, I hope you enjoy that song because um, I don't think it should be a Friday night song. I think it should be a church song. Yeah. Don't you reckon? And um, let, you know, that's the entry level. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know what? I just love how a generation love it. And I love how a generation gets excited about praising God because that's what fathers think. That's how fathers think. It's all about the generations. That's why I'm a father. Amen? And um, so that's why I wanted it this day. So thank you, team, for doing that. But let's do some more. I reckon that would be great. Amen. Amen. Well, I wanted to share a message with you. Just want to keep an eye on the time too. I want to respect your time because all of us have roast dinners happening at home, I'm sure. And uh, or KFC, and um, I've been sharing this whole message about come out of the corner, and this is my final message for my series. I think it's number six, and uh, I don't think I've ever done a six-piece series before. And um, but I think it's so important for the church right now, if not us, Australia, if not Australia-wide, worldwide, for the church to come out of the corner. It's the time for the church to rise up. Is another way of saying it. It's a time for the church to take its place so that the world can be saved. And yet saved by Jesus, but also saved from itself. Saved from the spirit of the world that wants to demolish. Save it from this, this situation where um, I feel like there's been this marinating in poison through the world because people, mental health is a big issue in the world right now. It's massive, especially amongst the generations. You've got situations where families are breaking up faster than ever before. You've got situations where, um, unfortunately, people taking their lives at record high levels all throughout the world. Someone has to rise up to take the lead. Come on, church. Let's come out of the corner. Let's take this on. Let's see it as our job to do. And let's take it. That's what this whole series is about. And... um, I remember one week, I think it was about three or four weeks ago, I concentrated on 1 Corinthians chapters 1, 2, and 3 and talked about what Paul was saying to that church because I think it's very important um, that um, what they were getting talked about, we actually take notice of. What, that, what Paul was addressing with them, we need to take notice of because I think it's very pertinent for the modern day church. But I want to talk about the same passage of scripture but the next chapter on. You see, in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of 1 Corinthians, um, you know, the church was very passionate. It was very confident, if you like, by the looks of the, the letters that were written to it. But it was misguided and imbalanced. There was something wrong with it. And I thank God for that because Paul wrote some of the best doctrine you'll ever read in those two letters. In fact, apparently there's four letters, but they could only find the two. Well, the other two didn't make the cut, maybe. Who knows? See, Paul called out things like hero worship on them. They worshipped pastors or leaders in the church more than God. 
they were competing, they were jealous of each other and, and competing, he called that out. He called out sexual promiscuity. There was wild stuff going on in that church. Um, one man and his mother-in-law, or not, not his mother-in-law, his stepmother, were in a relationship they should never have been in. And he called that out. Paul also called out their immature behavior, how they were acting like children instead of mature Christians. And the fact that they were puffed up and proud, they were very proud of themselves. And Paul calls all of this out. In fact, the chapter starts with him really, really challenging them in this, in chapter four. Anyway, I wanna read from verse 10. Very interesting what he starts to talk about. He starts to talk about he and Apollos, the other apostle assigned to this church. And they were the leaders. Apollos, we don't know much about Apollos, but he was a regarded leader, a very good leader. And um, he starts talking about me and Apollos. This is, this is us, and he starts sharing this. He says in verse 10, our, meaning him and Apollos, our dedication to Christ makes us like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. I don't know whether he's being sarcastic here or not. He's a bit of cynicism coming there through, who knows. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now, we go hungry and thirsty, and you don't have enough and we don't have enough clothes to keep it warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily and our own hands to earn, with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us, yet we are treated like the world, like everybody's trash, right up to this present moment. And I look at this passage of scripture, and I, I don't really understand what Paul's getting at here, but boy, he's being blunt. He's not holding back. I've come down to two things. Maybe he's saying, hey, this is not how you should be acting. We're more like you should be acting. We're the ones who represent God here. Apollos and I, we're close to God. We understand what this whole gospel thing's like. We understand what God's trying to do in his church, and you're not reflecting that. Maybe he's doing that. Or maybe he's saying, because of our lives, look at where you are. You know, we, we've become weak, but you're so powerful. I started thinking about that here on Father's Day. That's the words of a father. I will become weak if it means you become strong. And I'm, I'd, I'd like to go that way today. That perhaps that's what Paul was meaning there. He said, church, you've got a lot going on, which is not what God wants to see in his church. But look at this. Apollos and I have done so much. We've lived the sort of life so that we can lift you up. Then he goes on to say this, and this is what I really want to get into, this next passage of scripture. And I just want to work through it and talk to you about what I feel is needed in this. He says this, I do not write these things to shame you. He's not trying to shame the church. But as my beloved children, I warn you. He's giving them a warning. And I think that's what fathers do. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've become your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I've sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. 
For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Verse 15, though, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. The whole issue with the Corinthian church, Paul sees it as this. You need fathers. You have absent fathers. You have fathers maybe who aren't playing their role. You need dads. You know, lots of issues in the church. They need instruction. They need balance. They need, um, they need to be told things. They need to be led well. And Paul's turned around and saying, hey, I'll tell you what the answer is. It's not instructions. It's not programs. It's not getting the right music. It's not having the welcome guests at the door. Now, all of those things might be great, but what you really need is fathers. I'm going to take liberties today on Father's Day, and I'm going to talk about being dads within the church setting because it's time for the fathers, I think, across the world to rise up. The church needs this. The church, it is huge. What was missing? The fathers. Fathers are essential. Fathers are essential. Statistics throughout the ages indicate fatherlessness is a problem in our society. Incarceration rates are huge amongst those who did not grow up with a present dad. Something like 80%. And no one really talks about that. It's a big issue in our world where fathers are absent. And you know what? You can still be in the room, dad, and be absent. You can still be in the room and not have any impact in those young people's lives. You can still be in church and not be one of the fathers amongst us. And my challenge for us all today is, will we come out of the corner today? Now, don't get me wrong. I think the fathers in our church are outstanding. Love you all. I think you're amazing. But I think we all can take on some advice, take on some challenge, and take on some inspiration today. Amen? Tony Blair, I think it was in 2011, they had riots throughout London. He said, do you know the problem with this? He got, he got blasted for saying this. You know the problem with this is fatherlessness. These young men in gangs, they're in gangs because they don't have a father to say, don't be in a gang. In fact, they're turning to a gang to try and find their fathers. And he got smashed for it. In high school, I work in a high school, I love it, it's great, but I'm actually becoming very good at uh, guessing which boys I interact with who don't have a father in their life. I can actually find them. I can, I can get very good at guessing their situation. It's because it's, there's an obvious nature. Dads, you bring in such obvious change, especially to a young man. You are so important in this world. Fathers are irreplaceable. They really are in our society. They are irreplaceable. You cannot replace fathers. I'm sorry, I'm going to speak my heart today. Fathers are different to mothers. But we live in a world, and I think it's a spirit of this world. I don't think it's any person. I think there's a spirit in this world that wants to get rid of fathers. I think there's a spirit in this world that wants to diminish fathers to a point where they're no longer acting as fathers. And I think the world is sort of taking that carrot and chewing on it 
because they think it's the right thing. But I want to hear tell you, if we were to get rid of fathers out of this world, we are in a very bad situation. Why would the spirit of this world want to get rid of fathers? Because the original father who chose to be a father is God himself and he wants to get God out of your life. He would love to replace God in all of our lives. And sadly, in this world, he's done that with many lives. And one of his strategies is to diminish and to demean the role of father. And I I get horrified sometimes when I see what this world does about speaking down and, and, and really squashing and suppressing fathers. It's horrifying when you start to dig into that. Now, I know there are destructive fathers. I know. But there's destructive human beings. There's destructive people who, who roam through our society, and I think that will always be the case. And some of them, yes, are fathers, and they've caused huge damage. The reason why fathers cause such huge damage is because they're so important. Their role is so important, and it's so important to get that role right. To me, it's a bit like a tradie. There's some incompetent tradies around. I remember I used to drop Charlie off at work over in Cadden's there, and I'd drive past this fence that was put in by, I won't say a brickie, but he was acting like a brickie, and it is all over the shop. This is a really bad fence, and they've even got safety lines around it. Don't go near this fence. It's really, really bad. But that doesn't mean every tradie is bad. That doesn't mean that every tradie causes issues and is toxic. There's just a bad one. And in fatherhood, that's what you have. You do have bad examples. But I want to tell you, they're a minority. There's a majority of good men. Not perfect men. I'm yet to find the perfect dad. I've given up trying to find him. But there's lots of good men, good dads, who are doing what they can. They're irreplaceable. Now, I want to take my hat off. To all the parents who are doing both roles, well done. Good on you. Through circumstances. Mums, when you're having to fill that role, good on you. And I applaud you and I champion you. And I wish you a happy Father's Day as well. Good on you. I'm not against you. But I think most solo mums might recognise that only a dad can be a dad. Only a father really can be a dad. You know, I was talking to Fred Nile many years ago. Remember Fred Nile? Still kicking, still posting on Facebook, I don't know how he found out about Facebook, but he did. And um, he was saying what's coming across his desk as many years ago, untold amount of letters of adults who were IVF babies, asking how on earth can I find my biological dad? He said, it's unheard of, this is, just keep coming through, I wanna find a way. There's just something inside of them who have to find their dad. They love their father who they grew up with. They love him. They, 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 they don't want to take anything away from that man. But I just need, there's something inside me. I've got to connect with my biological dad. That's important. It is so important. Yeah. There are very few masculine men who are toxic. But yet in our world, you hear all about it. Toxic masculinity. It's a lie in church. We cannot believe that. Yeah. We cannot buy that. The devil has always had a plan to take out the males. He did it when Moses was around. He did it again when Jesus was around. He will try and take them out. And he realized I need to hit the fathers. It's time for the fathers to rise up, come out of the corners. Today I'm calling this message, 
Fathers needed. See that sign, help needed? Fathers needed. You needed dads? We need more of you. And I'm hoping within the generations that come after us, we raise some amazing dads. Oh my goodness, that produces something strong. To do that, dads, we're coming out of the corner. Amen? Amen. I want to say, dads, you've got what it takes. You've got what's required. In fact, you are called of God. It is a special calling. Just think, if there was ever anyone created in the image of God, which we all were, but he's a father. And he created you in that image. He chose to be a father because it is so important. He could have been anything. He could have been hippopotamus. He became a dad. Even so much that he wants us to call him daddy. Romans 8. Call him daddy. So let's look at this passage of scripture and see in Paul's opinion what a father looks like in a church. What does a father look like? 1 Corinthians 4, 14. Here we go. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Fathers don't shame, they warn. They don't belittle their children. In fact, the Bible says, don't, don't provoke your children anger. Don't do that. But to warn them is very important. You see, fathers should have vision for their children. These children, when they're young, they're too young to have visions and dreams of their own. You must have it for them. You carry that for them, and eventually you hand it over to them. Dads, what we do, if you don't have a vision for your child to, to grow up in, you'll have nothing to warn them of. It's only when you have a pathway that you feel God wants for them that you will warn them to stay on. I'll get very encouraged when I think back to what my parents did in my life. How they just made sure I didn't slip off that pathway. I didn't even realise what they were doing. I thought they were being unfair. I thought they were being cruel. But Rick, we don't act like that. That's not what our family does. Warning them. Bringing them into line. I know in our parenting as we were growing up, parents, listen, we helped our children choose their friends. Oh, Rick, how controlling is that? Absolutely it's controlling. Because we have a vision for their lives and their friends will determine so much of their life. Huge amounts of their life. There are some kids who came into our boys' lives and we had a chat to our sons and, and our daughters and said, you know what? You probably don't want to be around them too much. Love them, but you probably don't want to learn from them. Why? Because we have a vision for our children's lives. Yeah. The amount of times I remember saying to my little boys, boys, I'm sorry, but that's not how a man of God works. We're going to have to go into the room for a little bit. Let's go. <laughs> Took them in there, and we just had our little negotiation of behavior. Why? Because I want them to grow up to be men of God. Yeah. I want my daughter to be a woman of God. Yeah. And they behave a particular way. It's a pathway. It's a vision. We warn that's what Paul's saying here. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not embarrassing you. I'm not restricting you. I suppose I am. I'm putting you in a place where you're going to grow really well. Like a bonsai tree, we train it through restrictions so it becomes incredibly awesome. That's what we do. Verse 15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've become your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, Imitate me. Next point, fathers are imitatable. I understood that's not a word anymore. It's imitable, apparently. Is that right, teachers? 
I don't know. No one really knows. Let's just invent it anyway. Imitatable. They live as though little eyes are watching and little ears are hearing. That's how fathers live. Understanding that these little eyes are watching the way I'm walking right now. They're watching how I respond right now. They're watching how I worship God. You know, that's one of the reasons why we love having children in the service. Every second week, we have them in here with us during this time. That's why. So they can see you responding to God. They can see you being part of a family worshiping God. And today, they saw you getting down a little bit. And they thought church was awesome today. They realized they can jump up and down in church. I'd rather be here than school. And I love that. That's why. Oh, you don't like kids' ministry. I love kids' ministry done well with mums and dads involved. Yeah. Amen, Catherine? <laughs> I remember once little Judah, he would have been two years old, I think. I was whippersnipping the lawn. I looked behind me, and there's this little guy with a little plastic golf stick going <laughs> right behind me all the step of the way there. We had this spar in the ground at that point, and I'm whippersnipping around it. All of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see these legs upside down in the pool. And it was a swamp, let me tell you. I had to pull him out. He just walked wherever I walked, and I walked into a dangerous situation. And guess what? He walked into the dangerous situation with me. Little eyes are watching, little ears are hearing. Dads, are you imitatable? Now, I've not been perfect. I'm sure my children have picked up some of my bad situations. But I want to be more conscious, or I think us dads should be more conscious of my reaction. I got it wrong. Now it's time to let them know that dad is one who owns up to his mistakes and asks for forgiveness. Amen? Do as I say and not as I do just doesn't cut it anymore. It might have happened in one generation. It doesn't cut it anymore. We've got to do what we would want them to grow up into being. Faith in God is one of the things I want them to imitate the most. When there's a crisis in your home, Dad, how do you respond? Is it first with faith? Is it first with, you know what? God's got this. God's with us. Let's pray. That should be the response. That's what a godly father, how he leads. What you're doing is you're not just representing or responding in faith. You're showing a generation how they will do it in years to come. I want to just respond with faith right now. Hats off to my dad. My goodness, my dad's my hero. Just turned 80 last year, and um, I'm going to spend as many years as I can still learning from that man. He's a good man. And, um, but his faith. My dad wasn't the smartest man or the most educated man. I don't think he spent a day in high school. <laughs> Classic. His dad got his year six report card and said, oh, I think you should come work on the farm with me. <laughs> Ended up being a mechanic. But from that, he got a vision from God about raising his sons in a place where the Northern Road and the M4 Freeway crossed. Isn't that interesting? The M4 Freeway hadn't been built yet. He was on a tractor plowing a field and God said to him, I want to move there. I want you to move there for your son's sake. So what's my dad of faith do? He's the baby of the family. He's in partnership farming with his brothers. He gives all that away because of his faith. My dad risked it all because he heard the voice of God. And I've got to tell you, that has shaped my life probably more than anything else. He's a man of faith. He heard from God. He led his family in faith. 
It was so important to me. Verse 17, for this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of the ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Fathers raise their children to be sent. I've sent Timothy to you. He's my son. They raise them to be launched. I think of that passage in Psalm 127. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. They're in your hands, Dad. And arrows aren't meant to just remain in your hand. They're not meant to just remain in your quiver. They're meant to be launched. And you mold and shape. I've got a great sermon. I should preach it one day again for the fifth time or something about building an arrow. Children are arrows in the hands of a warrior and they must be launched. Don't just set them up for a good career. Come on, careers are going to end. But their life in God will never end. Their ministry will only end when either they go home or when Jesus comes back. Set them up for what God's asked them to do. Set them up with their faith. Set them up with their, 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 their knowledge of the word. Set them up with how to walk with Holy Spirit in a most intimate way. We launch them into that. We encourage them. We lift them up. We, 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 we Here I am. My, <laughs> my oldest son turns 30 next three weeks' time. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting old. I've got a 30-year-old son. I'm still launching him, still supporting him that's what dads do yeah. I have sent Timothy to you you see you'll only ever do this if you have vision how important dad is it for you to have vision for your children I have a vision for their marriage now they don't have to go along that vision but I have a vision that I will sow into everything I can I'll look after their children if that's what they require right now I'll do whatever it takes so that they could have this amazing incredible marriage an amazing, incredible family, so that one day they will launch their children. Dads, we've got to have a generational vision. If we really want to come out of the corner, we've got to understand it's not about us. It's for the generations. Verse 18. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly. I will come. Fathers turn up. Fathers show up. They're present. Like I said before, just because you're in the room doesn't mean you're present. They are present. You know, as a youth pastor, the amount of times I heard dad didn't come to the game, oh my goodness, broke my heart. Dad could not get out of bed on a Saturday morning to come to the game. Or probably more importantly, dad was too busy to come to the game. Really? That's too busy. Because the greatest work you will ever do is in that young young little boy, that young little girl. Get to the game. Get to church. There, I said it. I know you already have. Get to church. I just want to make that a bit serious at the moment. The greatest place you will ever take your children is to a church gathering. Now, we're in a Western world where we have a Western sort of gathering. I don't care what sort of gathering is, but your children need a con- concrete version of church in their minds. Yeah. It's not enough to say, well, we just do church as a family. No! I could rip that apart in the Bible tomorrow for you. No! You must engage in the body of Christ. 
Why? Because your children need to know there's like people around them. Yeah. Yeah. We know Naomi talked about the Friday night service we're here. It's not a youth group. Do you understand that? We actually don't have a youth group. Youth groups are of the devil, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's on video now. <laughs> Bad things happen in youth groups. We're not, we don't have a youth group. Yeah. We have this incredible service which is geared towards a generation who are learning how to passionately grow. And I want to tell you, I sit here and before my eyes, I'm seeing a generation of young people mature before their years. Yeah. Yeah. Friday nights, dads, we need you here. Because yeah. there's a lot of boys coming in who don't have a dad in their life. Now, I'm not asking for you to give them pocket money. I'm just asking you to be around. Turn their hat around and say, you're awesome. Mess their hair up. They love it. Then you might have to go wash your head. <laughs> Dads turn up. Yeah. I'll be there. So those who are puffed up are saying, I'm not going to be there. Wow, that's interesting. Let your kids see you worship and pray, Dad. Yeah. Let them see it. Yeah. Let them see it. You know, one of the things that worry me most, okay, this is honest Pastor Rick, not that I haven't been honest, really disturbs me the amount of men I see in worship like this. I really, it's, it's, guys, we've got to come out of that corner. It's time to get before your God. Maybe not like David, he danced naked. Don't do that. <laughs> but have his heart. I'll even be more undignified than this. Yeah, that's it. Even yeah. just this. Look to your God. And just have that relationship with him. Why? Because little eyes are watching and little ears are hearing. Yeah. Even if they're not your children. Yeah. Okay, back into preaching now. <laughs> not that I'm not being honest, right? Let them see your worship. Let them see yeah. you pray. Come on, dads. Yeah. You are the bedrock. Yeah. Verse 19. But I, have come, but I will come to you shortly for the Lord wills and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. I know the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Fathers are attuned to the supernatural. They understand that this is not a club. Yeah. This is not a well-being service. This is not a make-you-feel-better service. This is a spiritual moment. They understand there is a spiritual world which the West is getting deafer and deafer and blinder and blinder to. But we can't afford to do that, dads. We need to understand there is a spiritual realm. Yeah. Oh, it is more real. That's why they call it supernatural. Yeah. It's not partially natural. It's supernatural. Yeah. It is the real world. And, mate, if we could somehow just pull back the blanket and see what's going on in the spiritual realm, oh, mate, it would amaze us. And I'm hoping it wouldn't freak us out because we are spiritual beings. Yeah. Who, dads, we need to understand something. The Bible calls you the spiritual head of your home. Yeah. That's not demeaning women. That's just saying God's actually called you out on this. Yeah. And Rick hasn't called you that. You can argue with me all you like, but you can't argue with the word of God. You are the spiritual head. In other words, the spiritual atmosphere of the family all rests on you. Now, I've seen many women try to fill the void there and good on you but i'm sorry i don't think you can do what a man can do in this one because god for some reason has said dad you're it 
I need you to carry this banner. I need you to, to lift this up. I need you to be the spiritual one. I, I need you to understand what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit every day, to know his voice, to when you read your yeah. Bible, that he speaks to you. Yeah. It's more than just words for you because yeah. God is sharing mysteries with you. Yeah. That's what a spiritual leader is about. Oh, but do I really need to? Oh, did your family need it? Doesn't a dad do whatever his family needs? It might not come natural to you. It comes natural for others. That doesn't mean you're the boss. That doesn't mean you lord it over it. If anything, it's the opposite to that. You're the chief servant. You're the one who takes the hit spiritually. When your kids are being attacked with nightmares at night, you're the one who says in the name of Jesus, no. Because you have the spiritual authority. Dad's come out of the corner. It's a big one. The simplest saying, grace, you're leading your family around a time of honouring God and remembering all that Jesus has done for you. That's what it's about. I've got to tell you, it is my greatest honour on a Monday night when we come together and my entire family is gathered around a table holding hands. It is my honour to say thank you, God. Thank you, God. Dads, we're called to be spiritual men. You might say, well, I wasn't taught that. Well, you're with us now, and you can learn this with us. We've got a lot of good spiritual dads here who understand this. And if you just shouted them a coffee, I reckon they'd love to share stuff with you. Yeah. Come on, dads. Time to come out of the corner. Yeah. It's time to say, do you know what? Before my family moves on, I've got to take hold of this. My dad is famous for his grace. <laughs> and um, I've got to tell you, his father wasn't, his mother was. I think he says the same grace for Jesus' sake. I'd never say, why, why is it Jesus' sake that we're eating? Anyway. <laughs> but um, I know one of my cousins said at his wedding, we need Uncle Matt's grace, but he's not here. Rick, can you come up and do it? So I had to remember, okay, what's dad's grace? I, I remembered it. <laughs> But I grew up with a man who led his family. Two boys and a wife and him. And we said grace. We honour God at the beginning of our meals. Amen. Finally, verse 21. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Dads are gentle. Doesn't mean they're weak. In fact... I think gentleness is a part of being strong. I think for a man to be gentle is very strong. Yeah. And I think we need a bit more of that. I think we need men who understand how to control themselves. God's given you this thing called testosterone, which means you've got muscles and you're built, built generally heavier and stronger. We must be really good at being gentle with that. That's who we are. But we must be gentle with our words. You see, it's only a small man who must yell to be heard. You see, a big man or a strong man, he understands he can be heard without saying a word. And I believe, I'm, I'm believing that our, all of us dads will be men when we walk into the room, we get heard without saying a word because we have this gentleness and I think it comes from the Holy Spirit. I think it comes with this authority that you've stepped into the shoes of being dad. You've taken on the mantle of being dad. And I think that's where the gentleness comes from. 
I don't think you need to yell. I don't think you need to put down the hammer. I don't think you need to, to tell everyone who's the boss because you've stepped into the right place. You've positioned yourself with God and God has lifted you up. God has taken that. He's given you that mantle. And I believe as we do this, we'll see generations raised. They're trying to, in the world, trying to, you know, there's horrible things, domestic violence, which by the way, is caused by both men and women as attackers. You only ever hear about the men, but it goes both ways, right? And if you've been a victim of that, I'm so sorry, and I pray God's healing and blessing and restoration over your life. It should never have happened to you. This is why we need more dads to rise up to be God's dads. God-type dads who do what they need to do. This is why. I think any man who aggressively hurts his children or wife should get a visit from a bunch of men from a church. We need some more Maldives and some Owens in here. <laughs> That's what I think. And would gently have a chat to him. <laughs> A very gentle man. We can use all of our testosterone on that guy, right? <laughs> Men of Strong Nation Church, will you come out from the corner with me? Will you rise up and become the men we're called to be? The ultimate servants to our family. The ultimate cheerleaders for our wives. Yep. The ultimate ones who say, no, this is what God wants in our family and we're going to fight for that. Because you do understand no church is strong without strong families. No church can do much without strong families. And it all starts with you being the strong man. That doesn't negate women. I don't think men and women are equal. No way. We've got a lot of catching up to do, us men. <laughs> but I think it does start with men. Every woman who is married to a strong man is one safe and also stronger herself because her gifts and talents can be enhanced by a man who serves his family spiritually. Amen? Amen? The kingdom needs you. Amen? But more importantly, I think, this world needs you. Yeah. Fathers needed. Yeah. Can we have the musos up, please? That'd be great. I just want to pray over you again. I know Naomi's prayed for us. Thank you for that, hon. But this is pretty big whack, this message. I'm sorry about that. Well, I'm not sorry. I'm going on, I'm going on sabbatical things. So think whatever you want about me, I suppose. <laughs> Naomi will be coming to share the word next week. And, and um, I'll probably pop up the mountains just to let them know what I'm up to as well. But um, I'll be praying for you probably more than I already pray for you. I'm going to be seeking the word. I'm going to be really wanting to get depth into knowing Holy Spirit. Because I feel over our church, there's a particular call. The name of our church is just not a hip name that I thought of. Maybe you don't even think it's hip. It's a vision, the name of our church. Strong man and women. Strong family, strong church, strong nation. And I want to suggest, when the men including the fathers, take that seriously, that first step. It's easier for the rest. Yeah. It is much easier for the rest. It's time to get off holidays for some of you dads. You've been on break. 
Yeah, it's been a rotten two and a half years. Absolutely. That's why they need us. Dust it off. Get your prayer life back. Get some rain mark, fresh bread out of the Word. And then start reading and saying, God, show me how to be the father slash husband slash man you've called me to be. The church does not need nice men. It needs spiritual men. Amen? Amen. It's great. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for every person here. Lord, they've all come from different backgrounds and different experiences. And Father, right now, Lord, if there's been any triggering today, I pray you are the comforter, Holy Spirit. Would you just bring your comfort right now onto that person's life? It's not my intention to trigger. But Father, I pray that you would inspire. You would rise up. And even now, Holy Spirit, you would begin to speak to people. Some of you wives right now, God's showing you ways you can encourage your man. Lift him up. Help him. Allow him to have that dream in your heart as well. Now, Father, we want to honour you today and say thank you so much for what you've done for us. We love you and we honour you and we worship you. You're amazing. In Jesus' name. Amen.